Steve, happy Monday. How goes it? Good, man. Good. Other than uh, little kids decided they didn't want to sleep. Like they coordinated an attack on on my <laughs> wife and I last night. <laughs> so I think I've got like attack. two, three hours of sleep going on here. But uh, such is life as a parent, I guess. Those little terrorists. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, kick this one off. Let's just dive right into a listener question that we just got, which actually um, ties into some timely info, which we'll talk about. So this listener wrote in and said, in a recent podcast, you guys asked about first-time backcountry hunts. I went on my first backcountry bow hunt in Colorado last year. We went mid-September, camped around 9,200 feet elevation. I had a Kelty Cosmic Down 20-degree bag and a Kelty sleeping pad. I don't know the exact temperatures we were in, but there was snow on the ground in the morning. Temps in the days got up to about 70. And then he said every night he slept in long johns, two long sleeves, a puffy jacket, two pairs of socks, and he was still super cold. So he said his sleeping pad was uninsulated, and he's asking, would an insulated pad make that much of a difference? Does it truly change it? Because if so... He needs to make sure that he gets an insulated pad going into this year. And if we had any recommendations. Um, yeah, first things first, we'll, we'll dive into this, Steve. But insulated pads and the difference that they make, it's almost, I'm going to say it's hard to overstate it, but it's critical for sure. I don't think you can overstate it. Like it's, it's um, more important than the bag, in my opinion that you have a well-insulated pad underneath you. Yeah. So, I mean, he mentioned a, a Kelty Cosmic 20-degree bag. You could talk about the bag and say, well, not all bags are, you know, equal to rating, which is true. But actually, for the price point, um, those Kelty Cosmics are pretty decent bags. So, yeah, for this guy, I wouldn't say don't don't throw your bag out, um, but definitely 100% get an insulated pad. Um, it's going to make a huge difference. Um, one resource maybe to look at is we did, um, episode 160 was a budget gear list. Steve, you and I both set a budget for ourselves to outfit ourselves with backpacking gear. And then we separately picked each item, um, in each category, such as, you know, shelter, sleeping bag, sleeping pad, etc. You and I both separately had picked the Nemo Tensor insulated pad, um, which would be a good budget option. So that's one place just to start with. There's lots of great pads out there. Um, but if you're on a budget, number one, check out that podcast. It's episode 160. You can also go to exomountaingear.com forward slash budget gear, all one word. So forward slash budget gear and see all the items we discussed there. Um, but yeah, maybe something like the Nemo Tensor, Tensor insulated pad would be great. Um, it's definitely going to make a huge difference yeah, sleep in, in those conditions with that much clothing, you should have been plenty warm, probably toasty yeah. warm. Yeah. Um, so the pads is definitely it, a culprit. Yeah, so I don't know if it was on that podcast specifically, but I know I've talked about my frustrations with um, sleeping pads in the past because there's no, there was no standardized testing method for rating the R value of a pad. Companies would just, you know, probably do their own independent stuff, throw a number at it. Uh, a lot of companies, I think Nemo, uh, was one for sure that would just say this is good for you know 15 to 30 degrees or 30 to 50 degrees or something like that um, and it was really frustrating so it was you know through through the years I've used different companies pads 
um, and always experienced Thermarest hands down being the warmest, uh, Big Agnes being one that was some of the coldest. The Sea to Summits were kind of in between. Uh, the Nemo Tensor I had slept on for a season, that's kind of in between. Um, so it was just a matter of like looking at the marketing material they're throwing at you, and then they would, and then you just had to kind of get it and sleep on it and see basically how cold you got. Uh, I guess um, this in the last year since we've done that podcast, uh, Thermarest was actually one of the companies that I guess led the charge on this. Uh, for when I, I just read an article online about developing a standardized testing method. And so now there should be an ATSM uh, kind of badge. And I believe, like, I just literally just this weekend, uh, I was looking at this because I was just looking at, uh, um, yeah, for my New Zealand trip coming up, it's going to be like uh, hunting in December here. So it's going to be really, really cold. And I was just wanting to go through and, and see if there's any new pads on the market. Um, anyways, they've got that new standardized testing method. Uh, and it was funny because I, I went and checked, like, the R values of all the pads I've slept on over the last 10 years um, and pretty much everything was like spot on to what I thought. Like Thermarest was, it always listed, I think the, their standard X light at like 3.2. It was actually 4.2. Um, the Sea to Summit Comfort Plus pad that I love and I thought it was warm, but I didn't think it was warm um, as uh, the, this, the uh, Thermarest one uh, was interesting because it was supposed to be four or something and it got knocked down to, um, no, it is 4.2. Um, so it was identical to the X-Therm or that, not the X-Therm, sorry, the, the X-Lite from Thermarest. Um, and then the green Sea to Summit's like a 3.7. Uh, and then the Nemo ones are like three, three, two, three, five. Um, and then, so it was pretty interesting, at least for guys now you can go out and if a company's not listing it, I won't even buy their pad just, uh, cause they're hiding something basically. Um, but one thing I did stumble on was that when they do the ratings for sleeping bags, they are using a pad that has an R value of four underneath it. So this, oh, this guy wow. with an uninsulated pad, and he, even though he had a 20-degree bag, I'm, I'm just going to throw out a number, but I bet that's like a 40-degree bag with an uninsulated right. pad underneath it. And if he had a, a, a pad with an R value of around three, maybe it's like 25 to 30. Uh, so it's not until you actually get to an R value of four, which, which makes sense. Um, to me that uh, that your bag actually becomes a 20 degree bag so hmm. um, yeah can't can't overstate how important it is to have a, a well insulated pad underneath you um, I would just shoot for if you're going to any late season at all I want to be high, high threes uh, more more optimistically into the fours than our value and then uh, if you're just September fairly warm weather you know backpacker um, anything, anything from three and up, I think would be, you know, just fine for you. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I was just looking up cause I would, I had seen talks of a standard previously, but didn't see that it got approved, but, um, not until we hopped on this podcast, Steve, did I actually see that? So yeah, it's a ASTM international. It says they've passed a standard. It's FF three, three, four, zero dash one eight. And it's saying it will be rolling out kind of at the consumer level in 2020, but um, it's talking about how the testing protocol, they basically take essentially like a hot plate and a cold plate, um, you know, one on top, one on bottom, and basically measure the resistance and the temperature change in three different areas on that pad, um, and then take those um, three spots and average the performance together. 
um, some sort of super scientific. It says the testing machine cost like $50,000 with the sensors and the hot plates and all that. But yeah, I mean, this is, it's, it's good for consumers. Like when you can just level the yeah. playing field and it's not just marketing and not just estimations, but it's, you know, it's true numbers. That's going to be incredibly helpful. So that's, that's cool yeah. to know it's coming. Yeah. I think in the article I read too, I think it was REI basically, they're not going to sell pads anymore unless the companies give them our value. So it really forced a lot of these companies to, to get on board and start doing the testing. Um, so yeah, su- super interesting, super cool. More, more information for the consumer, the better. Yeah. And, and then forces companies to, uh, develop better products, frankly, because now you're truly comparing apples to apples on, uh, on things and they can't just throw a, a temperature rating at it. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Cool. Yeah, this, I mean, it kind of ties into something as well that we'll be working on, Steve, and just to let listeners, you guys know what's coming on the podcast in coming months as we're, you know, we've done a budget gear podcast in the past. We mentioned that here. It was episode 160. Steve, if we go way back to the, I think one of the first few episodes of the podcast, we did an A to Z gear list. Like, And we've talked about gear here and there in pieces. Um, but we just kind of want to revisit the topic as a whole and really break down what we're going to call like the pack essential series. So when you think of the main things that are going in your pack for a hunt, um, you know, shelter and sleep system and all those components, we just kind of want to revisit those and not only just talk about what we currently use or what we have used, but kind of break down, like what are some of those pros and cons? Um, for example, between, a tarp and a bivy versus a standard double wall tent and a floorless TP and the different options that are out there and just discuss and kind of walk through um, some of those pros and cons, some of our experiences, some specific item recommendations. So that's coming. It's something that we're working on actively now um, and just want to throw that out here in the Monday Minute so that you guys, if you hear that, we'd love for you to send us an email and say, hey, I would love to hear this question answered, or can you address this topic, or I've always wondered about blank when it comes to this whole um, aspect of essential gear that goes in your pack. That's something coming, so we can make it be what you want to be and answer your questions if you let us know what they are. Yeah, awesome. I always love talking gear, man. It's easy for me to nerd out on that stuff. So Yeah. Um, another series that we're actually starting this week, and this isn't going to be a, you know, some, some of the series we've done in the past have truly been week after week after week, like call it four or five shows in a row. Um, thinking of you know, building our backcountry rifle and the different ones that we've done over the years. This is the series that we're starting this week on the topic of reloading or hand loading. And it's going to be ongoing throughout this year. Um, again, not week to week episodes, but basically we're kind of live podcasting, if you will, this process of <laughs> you and I, Steve, getting into reloading. Um, and so part one's dropping this week. We talked with some of the guys from RCBS equipment. And this is an interesting thing, Steve. It's, um, you know, I have reloading experience, but it's all been on pistol straight wall cartridges. I used to shoot a ton of handgun stuff in some competition. So this getting into the world of reloading, but for centerfire rifle and for precision is still new to me. And then for yourself, Steve, you have like basically zero experience reloading. Is that right? Yeah, like negative zero. Yeah. Negative zero. I like <laughs> yeah, it. <negative> zero. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be, I think it's going to be good for, 
you and I to walk through this process ourselves, and clearly we're not the experts as it comes to this one. We are learning along with probably a lot of you, the listeners, about this topic. So it's a matter of us coming to people who have much more experience on the podcast and getting their take and us answering or asking the right questions to get involved. And so this first episode this week is very much a high-level discussion of reloading. Like, how do you get started? Why should you get started? What types of equipment are needed? What type of budget does it take to get started with that equipment? Like, this is very much the ABC of reloading this week, but it's going to get more and more advanced, um, both, Steve, as you and I gain experience, but also as we purposely dive much deeper into the advanced topics that not only can take you from, yes, I can now build an assembled cartridge and shoot in my rifle, but, okay, now I want to reload for ultimate precision and accuracy and downrange performance and looking at those advanced topics. So we're kind of going to hit the topic um, over this year from A to Z and start as this week at the very base level for reloading for idiots, which would be you and I, Steve, and then go much further advanced. So something that I'm looking forward to for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always been uh, something that I, I thought was cool, especially the last few years, getting in, into shooting guns more often. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get through this and understand the process better for sure. Yeah, cool. Well, that's this week. That's the full episode. Um, so check back Wednesday and we'll be kicking that off. Um, Steve, before we wrap this one up, this Monday Minute, um, we kind of introduced a little segment, if you will, or just kind of throwing that question out there so guys are up to date with kind of what's going on behind the scenes at XO, um, what's timely, what's current. So anything stand out this week? Um, man, we're, uh, we'll begin shipping replacement frames to guys. So they'll start seeing those come out probably middle of the week. And, and I'm not sure how fast we'll get through all of them. It's definitely going to take a few weeks, uh, at the, at the bare minimum. So those are going to start. So guys will start seeing those come out. Um, other than that, uh, I'm shooting a bunch of product videos. I've already shot a bunch that are getting edited right now and, and then continuing to shoot them. So any guys that have been waiting for updated K3 fitting videos, um, just general kind of pack walkthroughs features there's little tips and tricks and and things going on in the k3 that i think 99 percent of the people don't even know exist so i'm excited to kind of go through and cover those and we're also going to start a uh just a weekly video series i think it'll we'll send out in our company email of um just random things i come across like uh, there's one trick on how to hold a bugle tube with the shoulder harness that's so simple and brilliant uh, that it's awesome but nobody knows about it so uh, doing a can I use those videos to kind of um, yeah just get some tips and tricks out there for guys yeah cool so we'll be sharing a bunch of those via email um, and then you can always just go to exomountaingear.com uh, forward slash newsletter for that or all that content is going to be coming through YouTube as well and that's just youtube.com forward slash exomountaingear so Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, don't forget, if you have questions on the Pack Essential series or even through Loading series, if you want to make sure we hit a certain topic or a question or something you've been wondering, wondering about, just send us an email to podcast at and we will be back on Wednesday with that full episode. Catch you then. <laughs>